And welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald, and you can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. And joining me, of course, is my co-host Jimmy Lemke. Good morning, or whatever time of day you personally are listening to this. Yep. And Jimmy can be found on Twitter at PantherU. And you yes, can I can. Follow, and you can follow us on Twitter at the podcast on Twitter at Horizon RT. Um, you really should do that because we're doing not just the podcast. We're talking about the podcast and everything, but we, we, we have content now. Our, our writers are, we coming, do. yeah, and they're, they're definitely, they're killing it. So, um, so you guys don't want to miss, you, you guys definitely don't want to miss that stuff. Right. So absolutely. Um, so yes, yeah, so we, we're recording this on a, uh, obviously we record on Sundays and, you know, Naturally, I'm sure Jimmy has his activities. I myself, for reasons that escape me, I usually watch how it's made on the Science Channel. But today, I was drifted towards an episode in a a rerun of Alaskan Bush People. Um, I don't know why I That's keep awesome. watch. I don't know why I keep watching them because I mean, let's be honest, they're frauds. First of all, they're not even in Alaska anymore. They're in freaking Washington State. And the last season before that, they were in Colorado. Also, I should point out that this is not a personal opinion. This is according to the state of Alaska that they're frauds too. So, <laughs> so is John Lacroix trying to add them to the Horizon League yet, or no? Uh, I, I doubt that. There, there might be since uh, since it's clear that John Lacroix has kind of consult is trying to consolidate um, all of the Midwest schools. Them being in Washington might be a little far out of his reach. I don't know. So, I, yeah, I, 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 I don't think so. I mean, they have enough. I mean, you know, there the, there's enough of them that ha, there's enough Alaskan Bush people that they could field a team. Um, I don't know about their eligibility, but you know, it's whatever. <laughs> Since they right, it is what is what it is. <laughs> so well, we got some good. We got get some some good stuff on the show today. We do some indeed. Good stuff to talk about. We absolutely do. Um, the one thing that we did want to talk about today is that uh, stadium. Dot com actually put out the attendance figures for 2019 for all the Horizon League schools. James Squire, obviously um, at STLVU fan, uh, pointed this out. So uh, shout out to him for uh, bring, bringing this to our attention. Love but, you, Jim. Yes, we, we've had him on the show before when he was uh, when you know his 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 beloved Valparaiso Crusaders were still a part of our conference. I don't have to have you know we we don't have to have Valpo in the conference first to have Jim Squire on. We like, absolutely we, we absolutely don't. So Jim, just uh, when whenever if you if you feel the if you feel the, uh, the 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 hankering for jumping on a podcast, the invitation is always open. Um, yeah. So so I'm just looking at the uh, so I'm kind of looking at so basically what what Stadium has done is they've compiled the. The average attendance figures for both 27-2018 and 2018-2019, as well as the the sales figures for 17-18. I I guess it should come as no surprise that uh, the top three schools in each year, the top three schools, Wright State, Northern Kentucky, Oakland, uh, it should come as no surprise those are the three teams that have the highest attendance in the Horizon League. I mean, Wright State has consistently been had the highest uh, attendance in the Horizon League 
seems like every, almost every year. Really. Well, I, th- I think that I think that there's a few things that we need to yeah. take into account. Obviously, of course. Obviously, we can point to the fact that you know, right, right state is uh, a strong conference member for yes. men's basketball. They have had. It's been a long time, about 15, 14, 15 years mm-hmm. since they've been even an, I would say, average Horizon League member. That's true. So, but, it, so but I, I will point consistency out consistency is part of it. I will point out that even back in the day when they were kind of a mediocre team, their attendance uh-huh. figures were always kind of the highest in the league. Um, and I, I don't know, you know. I'm not sure what we can attribute to that. Um, maybe, I, I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you everything right now. It's it's market. Yeah. Wright State exists in a market where there's only one other major sports team, and mm-hmm. it's the other university. That's correct. Come here. That is correct. I uh, I see. I see your. Uh, I see your dog is co-hosting as well today. Okay. Yeah, she's <laughs> you know walking, and I think they're. Uh, she's about to get taken out. Ah, so my dogs are. Hopefully, my dogs are not going to do whatever they do usually, specifically. Oh, Harry. good. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's not. She's not much of a barker, especially right now. Right now, she's yeah. just walking, jiggling her chain, and yeah. annoying me. Um, but right, right, right. State exists with Dayton in yes. one market. There's like, sure. I think there's like a minor league hockey team, or there, there's minor league baseball. I know that, and yeah. it's it's Dayton, and it's. An hour or two hours away from and any what's other inter- major city, so and what's of course they're going to be getting a lot of the attendance. Sure, and, and a lot of the and and what's also interesting is a lot of that fan base is like an older fan base. I mean, it, I mean we we've been we've been you know we we both have been following the you know the goings of the Horizon League for an extended period of time, and you know right. A lot of the guys who follow, who follow and still continue to follow Wright State, like for example, you know, Terry Bogan road trip, man. He's been, he's like a, he's like an institution, and he has been for like twenty some odd, twenty some odd, thirty some odd years even. So, yeah. so that it, it's that longevity of those, uh, of those fans that y- you don't necessarily see anywhere else within the Horizon League necessarily. I mean, you um, do, but not as, as concentrated as within Wright State. Well, I mean, Wright, Wright State, you got to remember their, their basketball program has mm-hmm. had, you know, since they jumped up from 87, 88, I think it was, I think it was, it was late eighties when they jumped up to division one. Yeah. They had a lot of success mm-hmm. division two. So they, they've got, they've got history. They do. Behind them. Vitaly Potopenko. Yes. <laughs> They've got, they've Cavs got, got lot, Cleveland Cavaliers lottery pick Vitaly Potapenko, or Potapenko, yeah. or however the hell you pronounce it. Um, it's, uh, it's been, right? the, yeah, I guess. I mean, for years, Joe Tate from the. Uh, the they won a time. national title in Division Two back yes. in the mid eighties. They did. They've they've been consistently one of the top four programs in the conference, yeah. uh, top four teams in the conference. Yeah. They're rarely. Rarely do they make the you know. Rarely do they finish in the bottom, no. uh, the bottom half of the Horizon and I, League. And I really since... think that's important too because they've never been, they've never had that like drop off year. And if it has, they've usually bounced. They've kind of they always, always been a. Back. They've always been kind of a you know even before they started this, um, even before kind of the Brad Brownell years. You know, starting with the Brad Brownell years, even then it was. 
you know, they weren't terrible, but you know, they weren't you know, they were good enough to kind of keep the every you know, keep the attention there, which is you know, and again, market does help here as well. So, but it, it make it, it's it makes perfect sense to me at least since, how that since, would be the case. Since two thousand six, since Brad Brownell's first year in 0607. Yes, Wright State has had two seasons where they've been in the bottom half of the conference. Two seasons. Billy, Do- Billy Donlin's second season where okay. they finished seven eleven, seven seven and eleven, and they're. And his second to last season, where they finished three and thirteen, both seasons they were eighth in the conference. But again, one of them, one yeah. of them was Butler's last year, so they still we still had ten. Uh-huh. And then fourteen, fifteen, I think we had ten as well. Did we? Because we, we added Oakland. Because we added Oakland. Was that was was that before or after Loyola dropped out? No, that, I think was, that was that was after because. Yeah, Beloyola was like 13, I think, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, they, they've always bounced back. I mean, Billy Donlin followed to both eighth-place finishes with a third-place tie and a second-place tie. Yeah, So exactly. they've always been a strong program. Mm-hmm. That's why that's why they're there. I will say, though, um, I've all, I, 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 I can't remember. I don't have their yearly attendance figures in front of me, but I will say that I always thought that they averaged – five or more or like in that five to six range. Um, I know they did um, like in the early two thousands. I always thought they did. I will tell um, you what I see here. And I want to say is, that that's the case, but I'm just saying I see, uh, of the 10 schools, mm-hmm. I see two of them that are showing that show better numbers from 2018 to 19. Okay. One of them being, UIC averages seven more people, so seven whole more call, people. Call, call, call it a wash. Yeah, and then Detroit Mercy averaged about six hundred more. Yeah, which is nice and represents a fifty percent rise in attendance, except for the fact that you know they started at twelve forty, so they're not even at twelve hundred or you know two thousand. And, it, their, and you know their, what? Their, honestly, I think it's and I'll be in all honesty that one that number is probably going to jump up this year too. You know, benefits of having Antoine Davis. Yeah, I mean, you gotta get you gotta you got a kid that's got legitimate NBA aspirations. Yeah. That's gonna be a pretty big deal. Um, I'm a little concerned about Northern Kentucky dropping from 4,100 to 3,600, yeah. and that's obviously last this last season of tennis. So it's before John mm-hmm. Brand leaves. So are they going to drop off even more? I really hope that's not the case. Unlike. I'm- I'm Unlike sure. Wright State, they've got a couple. They've got Cincinnati. They got Xavier to contend with. Yeah. Uh, they've got the Reds. They've got the the Bengals. There's not all of those are the same season, obviously. Yeah, well, but, I mean, but people. I, I people don't know have, about the Bengals. <laughs> well, I guess what I'm saying is that people will spend, uh, they will budget money and time for sports, you know, sports followings. Sure. And people in Cincinnati have a you know a, a bunch of other possibilities. At the um, same, well, you also have to remember too that you know, and I think, and I actually allude to kind of um, what Kyle Craven, Kyle Craven, and Chris Hart said on their podcast, The North Report, um, which they had their debut episode. And by the way, if you have a chance, go listen to that as well. That where they're situated, not only do they have 
kind of the Cincinnati influences in terms of, you know, fan bases, they also have the Kentucky as well because obviously, you know, they're they're in Kentucky, so obviously they're you know, the people in that area may also still have have a great interest in either Louisville or Kentucky or actually the University of Kentucky too. I mean, because those are two obviously two institutions. Well, that, I mean, that, those are those are far. Sure, Kentucky and Louisville are both pretty far away from yeah. NKU. NKU is barely into. Yeah, I mean that's like that's like that's like saying I'll that, be very interested. I that will Badger be... basketball sure. will like affect Green Bay attendance. Uh, if it does, I doubt it's much of a much of a. I, I will be very interested in seeing kind of the, the this next year with them in terms of attendance. Yes. I mean, they've. I, I mean, let's be because they've Northern Kentucky for the last you know for the last since they've gotten to the Horizon League, specifically yes. since they've jumped. You know, they kind of made the jump from kind of where that first year where they were kind of near the bottom to that big jump. Where they, you know, were competing for for where they to now where they've competing been competing for a Horizon League championship. I'll be mm. very interested in seeing how how the new change in coaches affects that. I'll be very interested in seeing kind of how that whole thing plays out. Not to mention the loss of Drew McDonald because that, obviously that'll be a huge thing too. So. Um, I guess it should come as no surprise that the bottom three, the bottom three here are Milwaukee, IUPUI, and Cleveland State. <laughs> it should come. Yeah, as... Milwaukee lost a whole three people from 2018 to 2019 in attendance. Yeah, announced attendance of 15, 17, 15, 14. So we're just we're just steaming along, you know. We're 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 rolling. Amanda Braun's really got this 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 program going in the right direction. I can tell. I can truly tell. We win. Um, we win. You know, we're we're we we win. We're successful. We're we're always in the top 100 of the RPI and the top three of the conference, and that's why we're always, you know, that's why we're always winning. I'm sorry. I, you must be. That must be like uh, that. Those must be figures from a parallel universe. <laughs> those those are those two figures are uh, those two figures are reasons that Amanda Braun gave for moving on from Rob Jeter. And spending six hundred thousand, seven hundred thousand dollars of university money a, a year ahead of schedule, so that they could hire new people and just pay them to not work there. Yeah, always um, fun. Yeah, so, so it was just it, I'm just pointing out that we we ain't back there yet, and it's four seasons out of you know we're four. What is it? Four seasons or three seasons? Um, I think we, that 16, would be 16, 17, 17. So we had three seasons of three seasons transition basically because we lost coach and i don't i don't i don't blame him for losing lavelle jordan that was just a perfect storm of you, know, course. you can't really like obviously do yeah. it but um but looking at you know looking at these schools with coaching changes obviously um milwaukee we've uh we've gone from being uh one of the better programs in the conference to being one of the worst programs in the conference, and that reflects in the attendance. Yeah, um, we have an axe wound for an athletic director. That's <laughs> you know that reflects in attendance. Sure, no, that makes. Um, I mean, you know, we're and, and I'll tell I'll say this too: Milwaukee and IUPUI were the biggest schools in the conference. Yeah, so you would like to see higher attendance, but we're also mostly commuter schools. That's true. Um, Milwaukee had 
from from about 2000 to 2010, Milwaukee had started to move about 15,000 of its 30,000 students eventually lived on campus. Mm-hmm. So so we have as many re- residential students living on campus or in the neighborhood, and I, I consider the whole east side Milwaukee's campus. Sure. Um, that's We have 15,000 students. That's as many as a few schools have in undergraduates total. That's, that's so, actually more than Cleveland State has in undergraduates. Seriously, right? So, which is it's not a problem, you know. Yeah. Cleveland State's perfectly fine. It's just that, yeah, we're we're not entirely a commuter school. We do play our games downtown, away yeah. from the east side. So it's not exactly the easiest thing. And kids don't like hopping on buses or whatever. Maybe if the hop streetcar gets pulled up to UWM, maybe we'll start seeing that more. But honestly, I, I think that you know, you look at the bottom three schools and what do we have in common? We're all commuter schools. Yes. Um, Youngstown State is something of a commuter school, but there's nothing to do in Youngstown. No. Oakland is something of a commuter school, but you're, you know, you're oh, you're a little away from downtown. You're kind of yeah. the suburb. You're, it's a suburban school, not so much of an urban school. Mm-hmm. Um, Northern, Northern Kentucky has done a great job of the transition and they're coming off success. So their right state doesn't have a lot to contend with. Yeah, Green Bay only has the Packers, which I mean, they also have the Green Bay Gamblers uh, minor league team and maybe they're even even their own women's basketball team to contend with. But the fact of the matter is, is that Green Bay doesn't have a whole lot to contend with as far as other things to do. So there's, you know, there's twenty five hundred to twenty one hundred. That's that they're they put themselves in square in the middle of the pack. UIC has been around two thousand because like the other four schools at the bottom, Mm -hmm. The, the four schools below them, they're commuter schools. They but are. Maybe not Detroit Mercy. Detroit Mercy is just its own animal because it's private and it's small. Yeah. But UIC is also, it just comes from the biggest city out of all of us. So naturally, it's going to be a larger, you know, a larger group. Um, so I, I think that a lot of this attendance number, the, the way it shakes one to 10, there's uh, recent and sustained success mm-hmm. Wright State, Northern Kentucky, Oakland. Yeah, there are schools that don't have to contend with people, and maybe Devin had. I mean, Green Bay's had some recent success, yeah. good, good success, as well as they don't have a lot to contend with. But it's mm-hmm. a smaller area than most of the most of the league. Youngstown State has nothing to contend with. Mm-hmm. It's a smaller area. So well, it's well only the, the thing about the, the thing about Youngstown, no the thing about Youngstown yeah. State, though, this is because this is a. If uh, if I remember the kind of the because this two seventeen eighteen number that twenty nine ninety four and the twenty four sixty five those we are can the, just we just we just call it twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen eighteen and nineteen numbers um those are the drops five hundred yeah but those are the first two years those are the first two years of the Jared Calhoun era and I remember Which... specifically though that their their attendance numbers under Jerry Slocum were never really that great. They were definitely not fourth in the conference. They I, were never they were never three thousand a game. No, if I remember, the only time I they remember were, them yeah, being exactly. So they, they always had they always had the occasional game where they'd sell out the Beagley like but like when they'd have when Butler was really great. Yeah, they would they would sell out Butler, which a literally years. every other Horizon League school had at that point in time too. But yeah, you're. But but I think I think kind of the. Uh, you kind of see the dynamic, at least with Youngstown State, you see kind of the dynamic from Jerry Slocum, who kind of was there and kind of going through the motions, and the Jared Calhoun, who 
was a little bit more pro has been a little bit more has been more proactive in terms of kind of the outreach um and you see that you kind of see that and that also kind of plays into this and i'm sure this plays into the again kind of going back to the i the this whole concept of you know the coaching uh, you know uh, the, you know who the coach is and how that dynamic has affected things as well um with milwaukee it's just kind of a you know i got rid of i got rid of rob jeter laval jordan and now i'm on two years of pat baldwin he's who's who i think i think i think was i think pat baldwin was hired um largely because she had familiarity with him Uh uh-huh sure because they both worked at green bay so she 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 knew him Mm -hmm. um i think that amanda braun hired pat baldwin um I think she, I, I may, I don't, I don't know if she had the foresight of saying, oh, maybe if we get him, maybe we can get his son as a recruit down the line. Uh, I really hope that she didn't make a hiring decision based on that. But you never um, know. <laughs> I'm trying to find reasons that you hire him over Dana Ford, who was the other finalist, who ended up getting the Missouri State job, and oh, look oh, at Missouri State, yeah, they're oh. getting four-star recruits now. They are like in legit four star recruits, not like we found college recruiting D one dot biz ranked this guy as a four star recruit. I yeah. mean, like legit, like rival exactly. scout ESPN re- mm-hmm. put somebody as a four star recruit. Um, so yeah, I, I, I feel like it was a bit of a mistake. I hope I am wrong. I would like him to do better. I haven't seen it yet. No, and. Yeah, at the end of the day, we are, you know, <laughs> at, at, at the end of the day, we're just we're just not we're not there. And the Cleveland State numbers don't surprise me at all. You're, you're talking about a, not just a coaching issue, but and then up to up to the hiring of Scott Scott Garrett, an entire I want to say nearly decade of a department just atrophied, starting with John Perry and then moving on with Mike Thomas. I mean. If there's no, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, if there's no, I mean, there, there was, there was absolutely no incentive to, it just didn't seem like there was a sense of urgency or any kind of incentive to, you know, make things happen. Even when, in, even in the, the last good year of that Cle- of Cleveland State under Gary Waters, where, yes. you know, you have a team that's competing for a Horizon League championship, um, and and then of course the bottom falls out and you know maybe maybe that's what happened too because the last two years of the Gary Waters era you saw kind of Waters kind of fall off himself thinking you know maybe it, maybe the, it's just not worth it anymore and then you come in and you, you then you come in and then you know cause, I mean because honestly let's be honest here if we'd have known then what we know now. Gary Waters' contract was up in 2019. His his final contract ended in 2019. Yeah. So, given what we know now, what was the point? Why didn't we just, I mean, I mean, was, do we chalk it up to Mike Thomas's ego or what? Because what was we, ended a, up, what we literally a, ended up with. Was there a buyout clause? I don't know what happened. Did he have- I, did I he have like, a bio, did, did did Gary Waters have a bio clause in his contract? Because if he had if he had a bio clause, 
which every 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 yeah. single um you know contract for a state employee yeah. at a university should have a buyout uh-huh. clause where we will pay you x amount of dollars to go away uh-huh. rob jeter's didn't didn't so amanda a year ahead of time put 600 grand into him and his assistants yeah i want to know if gary waters had a buyout if it's you know, a hundred grand and Mike mm-hmm. Thomas thinks I can do better getting somebody else Then I get it. It but could, it could be, but I think no also buyout. if I'm not mistaken as well as he, the, as I understand it, the Gary waters was also given a, was also, was given another position within the university. I think it was a special assistant, which is basically a, you know, a job and name it's, only, it's, essentially. It's, it's called, tra- it's, it's transfer. It's some, It's commonly something that yeah. Amanda used to get yeah. people out of the job. Exactly. In fact, Rob's, in fact, Rob's lead assistant, Chad Boudreaux, yeah. was reassigned to, uh, um, reassigned to the dean of student to be an assistant to the dean of students. Yeah. When Sandy Botham, was mm-hmm. let go as the women's basketball coach. They assigned her to the alumni association, yeah. which she was actually really good at that job. Uh-huh. Um, Kevin O'Connor, the sports info director that mm-hmm. Amanda needed to get rid of for some random reason, even though he was excellent at his job, mm-hmm. got reassigned to Chapman Hall. Mm-hmm. And they kept him because they know that he's good at his job. Sure. So Amanda's obviously a really good eye for talent. I can tell. You know, Almost as good, almost good, almost as good as Mike Thomas. But yeah, but, but I'm looking. But, but again, I'm, I'm kind of again. I'm looking yeah. at it from the standpoint of knowing what we know now. Gary mm-hmm. Waters literally could have finished out his contract and retired yes. in the two years that Dennis Felton was here. He probably would have gotten yes. better results than. I mean, I, I don't, I, you know, but I don't, I mean, I don't know. From an, I don't know if but, we could have predicted that Dennis Felton was going to flame out so quickly, or, so, or not, maybe not so quickly, but I don't know if we could have predicted that he would have flamed out so, uh, so spectacularly. So, yeah, spectacularly. Yeah. Um, I, I always thought that if Dennis Felton was going to be a failure, the team would just lose a little bit and be done. I didn't know that it would get really contentious in the program. No. Well, so also, I, but, I, but also too, you also, but and again. Um, going back, going back to the these attendance figures. I mean, these are these are this. I mean, this started the the kind of the downward slide started. You know that 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 twenty that's twenty sixteen year the you know the last two years of Gary Waters, where I think you know and again maybe it's because Gary kind of saw the end of the road coming and he was like, all right, this is kind of it for me. I'm gonna get out of Dodge, uh, go in peace, I suppose. And then, but, but, you know, and I understand that whole thing. I get that whole thing because, you know, again, like I said, you know, a long, a long train of atrophy within athletics that isn't, I mean, within athletics, not necessarily, not necessarily any of the coaches' faults. You know, they're, they're Mm. still sitting over there trying to do their jobs. But, you know, internally, I mean, what, what was the incentive? What was the sense of urgency? There wasn't. You had a guy who, you had a guy in John Perry who basically, for what for reasons that it will continually escape me, gets a three year extension for basically making sure that the books are balanced and that's it, and then turning around and you know and then and then you know following that up with Mike Thomas who did in fact flame out spectacularly in Illinois. You know he was a reclamation project to begin with, 
But what does he yeah. do instead of actually reclaiming, you know, prove, attempting to prove that that whole Illinois thing was a terrible experience and he was a capable comp- he was a capable administrator instead of kind of proving that he instead of proving that whole notion that it was a, that Illinois was a fluke wrong, he kind of perpetuated that on a much smaller yeah. scale. I mean, how do you do that? And 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 I guarantee you, I, Cleveland State's president Harlan Sands, he knew what was up, which is why I'm sure that you know, he, you know he knew the he saw what was going on and basically probably and, and you know maybe could have went around a well, uh, definitely could have went about it in a much better way. Basically told Mike Thomas the jig is up, <laughs> you got to get out of here. I, mean, I, I, I don't want to say I, I don't want to say you got to get out of here, but apparently some a conversation between Sands and Thomas happened where Thomas. Le- uh, resigned at the end of the year to go do quote unquote uh, consulting work, which left um, such which a is, which, which is fine. Le- That's a way to get out of the job. Understandable, but, but the but what happened afterwards still. I mean, the twenty nineteen numbers kind of bear out where you only had a, you were dead last in the Horizon League in attendance. There was literally you had from from. For the entire month of January, there was absolutely nobody minding the store. Nobody. Yeah. So, and in that point in time, so much stupid crap happened. You have a, you have you have Dennis Felton's team go oh start off the conference t- conference zero and eight. I mean, that, I don't think that happens if somebody's minding the store. You have you know. You you had the issues with the you had the issues with the with the swim team apparently, where you had yeah. send, where where us, the swim coach ends up getting you know ends up resigning because of the things that happened when nobody was minding the store. You had two administrators, two associate ads, who because nobody was minding the store in January, they resigned again, stemming from the whole thing with the swim team. So. Right. I understand, you know, pushing somebody, pushing an administrator out to get your guy in there. But the circumstances of pushing your guy out and leaving an entire power vacuum in a month. And the numbers bear out. So, I mean, I mean, I guess it's better late than never that they got, from what I can tell, a very capable administrator in there in Scott Garrett. I, I, I... Honestly, I lo- I'm looking at Cleveland State. Yeah, I think that I think that Harlan Sands is somebody that I trust to run the university, and it, oh, yeah. as far as being being the executive for this basketball program specifically, yes, because he is he got rid of Mike Thomas. I mean, he 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 made the tough decision to cut ties with somebody. You know, it's not working. But I Scott mean, Garrett yeah. looks like he knows what he's yes. talking about. And I feel like they made a great coaching hire, even though it wasn't the guy that, you know, wasn't Jermaine Kimbrough that a lot of us wanted yeah. to see. Sure. It w- it ended up it ended up being a good hire, or at sure. least on the surface, it looks like a good Absolutely. hire. Mm-hmm. And obviously the players on the team, a good chunk of them they seem to think so too, because some of these guys have decided to turn around and stick or stick with it that and stay with the program. Yes. So, so yeah, I, mean, I, lo- I look at Cleveland State as being healthy starting now that this is a this is a fresh beginning and i think that there's there's reason to be how would i say this 
I think there's reason to be excited sure. for the future of Cleveland State basketball. I, I am optimistic for the future, but at the same time, I it's still in the back of my head. There are some decisions that I just can't wrap my head around. That entire month of January, I can't wrap my head around that. Or maybe, or honestly, maybe Harlan Sands thought in that month, because you know one of the associate ads who ended up resigning was quote unquote the acting athletic director, which is probably why she ended up having to resign in the first. Why she had to resign, and maybe he thought theoretically that. Maybe she was capable enough to uh, to mine the store, and it clearly didn't happen. So when Mike Alden came in to be that senior advisor to Harlan Sands, and he looks over everything, he's saying, "Something isn't right. You guys got to go." I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe that is the situation. I mean, it, it's never really been, it's really never been explained in a matter that makes any level of sense to anybody. But again, never so will much, be, but, but again, so much yeah. time. But at the same time, so much time has passed, and so much other crap has happened that it's almost not even a priority to even think about what's going on because you have so much other things, so many other things in place, where you see kind of a kind of. It, it's it's funny because within you know within the this the, this athletic program doesn't look at from from inside out does not even bear any level of resemblance to the one that was in place six months ago, <laughs> yeah. which is absolutely surprising. It was just shocking to me. And the one other thing too, that I want to point out as well, because this, I think this is absolutely going to affect. Um, plus we need to get moving. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. True. yeah. Plus, plus we need to get moving. Um, but one of the things that kind of does strike me as interesting with the Cleveland state situation, which I think again, long-term, maybe not this year, but in the future that will probably make their, will, will probably help that will kind of lend some sense of urgency is that Scott Garrett actually brought in, actually has hired a guy, someone who is the associate athletic director for external affairs. Cleveland State hasn't had an external affairs guy since Chris Sedlock left in 2011. So for so for people who are not familiar, yes. external affairs will be somebody who oversees development, yep. marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually that person also oversees the ticket sales department. Which this, this guy is does, yes. Corporate sponsorship. Mm-hmm. This, this is somebody who is pivotal, pivotal and almost always is the number two person in – the and, you know in, in in the you know in the yeah. school or and, in the in the and Cleveland State department. didn't have one for eight years. Yeah, we which went is from insane. Let's see, so, Chuck Lang left Milwaukee in two thousand seven, mm-hmm. I want to say, and we didn't have an external ops guy until for, we had, we didn't have one for like four years. Yeah, and it was terrible because once Bud Eighty retired. His successors did not, from George Coons to Costello, like they didn't have, mm-hmm. like George Coons didn't have any uh, administrative. He didn't have any like book balancing, because Bud Bud could balance the books, whereas sure. George Coons couldn't. So we were rudderless, and we were rudderless for like two years in that regard mm-hmm. after Bud retired. Sure. So that was that was rough. So I can't imagine what it would be like for eight years without without having an external ops guy. At no, State. again, you know, it, it's. Again, it goes back to the sense of urgency and the and the the incentivize. You know, the, there was no incentive because you didn't have somebody uh, you know above you who was 
kind of looking at you sideways if you did something ridiculous. Um, and that happened for eight years. Now they got now they got a guy in now. Tyler uh, Tyler Jones is his name. This guy is. You know, Scott Garrett got this guy from the Ohio State University. I got to say the because, you know, Ohio State folks will lose their shit if I don't. Um, but It's Ohio I, State University. You all can lick my taint. <laughs> I'm not a Badger fan anymore, but my hatred towards Ohio State will always – it's not going to go away. So, so – Your, your it, program is the worst of everything. Oh, Jesus. And a three-year-old president with his dumbass bow tie. Uh, and yes. Yeah, so, uh, anyways, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, sure none of this has anything to do with the fact that you were graced with Andy Geiger's presence at all. Yeah, fuck that guy too. <laughs> God, you guys suck, <laughs> fucking Buckeyes. Uh, anyways, but but to, but to, to move on to wrap up the Cleveland State thing. Yeah, but yeah, they continue. they got that guy. He, so he's like, so he was the director of ticket sales and fan development, or I can't remember his full title, at Ohio State. But they brought that guy in. And obviously knowing uh, knowing kind of what Scott Garrett brings to the table, because his focus was on getting butts in the seats, getting revenue. I mean, he is revenue-focused. He's not about keeping the books balanced. He's about generating revenue in the, within this athletic program. And so... I think, like I said, I think long term, there are it, it's much. It looks like a much rosier picture than Good. the last. Again, the last. I want to say even the last and, four years. So sure, and, and and but but just to just move on because we got to move on. Sure. I, I, just to wrap up, mm-hmm. I will say that I think part of your uh, maybe trepidation or. Uh, perhaps your hesitation sure. in going full on gung ho Cleveland State is because you have been burned so many times. So oh, yeah. I yeah. I would just try and stay optimistic because you have reason to be optimistic. I do. Optimistic. I, do. I mean, I I don't. I mean, Unless Pat Baldwin Jr. were to com- commit to Milwaukee, yeah. I don't have reason to be optimistic. Yeah. Other I, places have reason to be optimistic. Sure. Detroit Mercy. Antoine Davis looks fantastic. Maybe yes, the maybe absolutely. the they, in the one year of Mike Davis, they jumped 60, 50 percent, six hundred people in in attendance just you know from one for one year. So obviously Mike Davis is good. Hopefully that they can you mm-hmm. know keep it rolling, get better as a team. I know that he filled in some holes. Maybe, sure. maybe Detroit Mercy can get successful. I think you know. Um, I mean, again, I don't. I you. And this kind of goes back to something I've said multiple times. You us underestimate Mike Davis at your peril. Period. Really, he's a he's a good he's a good coach. I mean, the, where yeah. he where he has failed has been to not maintain very 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 high lofty expectations. He's at Detroit Mercy. What expectations of, can he it's possibly a bit have? Of a, well, uh, that's my point. Is that you know this is a you know better school. Yeah, you know, better a better uh, is a better well, program than yeah. it was that when he got it. Yeah, that's true. Um, he fell out at UAB because of expectations. He fell out at um, at Indiana because of expectations. Yeah. He where, left Texas Southern. Te- he left Texas Southern because he wanted to, you know, bring yeah. his son somewhere that he can play that the kid will have a better shot at getting the NBA. Yeah, which one thing that about the Horizon League that is still solid today is that still you true. still have. There is still a road to the NBA, there unlike so, so, like many of these mid-major, low-major yeah. conferences. There's still 
Absolutely. There's still the route to the NBA. The Without scouts will find you here. So, the um, one... but I want to keep it in the scope. I wanted to keep it in the scope of the attendance there. Now, here's the yeah, I get yeah, it, I get it. So, so the one last thing I want to actually talk about is the actual revenue, the actual ticket sales numbers, because they only have them from 2018. And they don't, obviously don't have them for Detroit Mercy. So, the, the the two things that struck me as the most surprising is that Green Bay's uh, Green Bay ticket sales for 2018 were actually highest in the league. They may, yeah, so... <laughs> well, what else is going on in Green Bay, Wisconsin? That's true. In January and February, especially when the Packers suck. Well, what's interesting is is that they, that they, in terms of attendance, they were kind of in the middle of the pack. They were like fifth in attendance, but they're first in ticket revenues. So their fans, while there may not be as many, they're spending more money to go to a game. So... Um, so, but to your point, obviously, since they're kind of the only game in town and also it's kind of helpful that they're in a situation and, and this was on a, in 2018 was a down year for green Bay and they still topped out in, you know, ticket sales dollars too. So, I mean, that's, that's, that blows my mind regardless. Um, they're, they're, they're not, they're, they don't have competition. I guess not. This is, this is my point again. Yeah. Um, and and Green Bay is also fairly recently was in the in the NCAA tournament. So this is true. This is they're, true. And they're and they're still they've still been a decent program after that. So they should be fine. And you know, Link Darner is he going to build up another NCAA tournament team for the Green Bay fans? Hopefully so. Yeah. Um, for for in the scope of of new coaches. Since most, since the entire conference except for Oakland has pretty much had turnover. Yeah, you know uh, Scott Nagy has maintained, maybe dropped a little bit with the attendance. The Northern Kentucky and John Brennan's last year they dropped six hundred. So mm-hmm. I wonder what the future holds. You know, with with everybody else so, and with with new coaches and everything. Well, so a little worrisome. I, I do like have Darren to ask Horn. this one last question. This is the kind of the 2018 numbers, the ticket sales numbers for IUPUI. They made thirty, just a tick under thirty-seven thousand dollars for 2018. I'm like, uh-huh. okay. And this is the and remember, this is the first year they were in the Horizon League. I'm, I mean, how are they making their money? <laughs> I mean, honestly. Student seg fees gotta be man because I mean student segregated fees. What are the student seg student seg fees at Cleveland State for athletics? It's you, still like eight hundred bucks a year. I don't know how much it is, but they're they're the student fees to that you know the, the Cleveland State almost entirely relies on student fees for athletics. I think it's like almost God. I want to oh. say like eighty nine ninety percent of their money that they use comes from student fees and i know that's not it's, a, it's, that, a, it's, it's not a, a sustainable giant thing. number yeah it is it's um, it's not sustainable i i think that's probably part and parcel why scott uh, scott garrett is here but yeah i mean i'm looking at the iupy numbers and i'm blown away by the fact that it's like <laughs> 36 36 987 was their 2018 number and i'm thinking to myself i mean Good lord, and the and this is the team they brought in. <laughs> so, um, so that actually also leads me to believe that for everybody who's who had any kind of issue with 
the Farmers Arena being picked as in Indianapolis being picked as the venue for the Horizon League tournament. I look at these IUPUI attendance figures and say there is no advantage whatsoever IUPUI would ever have. Like ever. There's they're done three dollars per credit hour. Wow. So if you have so you if you let's see. Let me bust out the calculator here. Um, so if you have fifteen credit hours mm-hmm. or forty five credit hours, so you're like nine that's ninety is that that can't be right. No, it really nine isn't. nine ninety dollars a year? No, it is not ninety dollars. Who are you who is your, are you talking about? I'm looking at CSU Ohio's athletic fee. No, the athletic, oh no, never mind. The athletic right. fee is, provides support for men's look, the addition of men's lacrosse and yeah, additional w- opportunities for women in athletics. I, I was just I was just trying to pick something. It, it's it, it's it doesn't matter. No, I'm pretty, matter, sure like eight, I'm pretty sure it's Cleveland like eight, State, I want to say it's like eight hundred yeah. fifty a year for student fees. I think um, is the number I remember. It could be less, but yeah, I think it's about I think it's about that. Cleveland I, State I dropped. From year to year, Dennis Felden first to second year, they yeah. dropped. IUPUI gained, but they were going really going from nowhere with their yeah. new coach. Milwaukee st- stood pat at fucking garbage. <laughs> Detroit added up in the year. Yeah. Uh, UIC stayed about the same with uh, Steve McLean. Yeah. Uh, the the ticket the the ticket rolls are not as long as his tie. Um, <laughs> Green Green Bay dropped off a bit. I wouldn't be too uh, concerned about the, the almost $400 drop-off if I'm a Green Bay fan, particularly because you're another year removed from the NCAA tournament. That's so true. I, I get it. Um, Youngstown State's drop-off, I, I would be a little concerned because I think that they got nearly 3000 a game in a 2017-18 yeah. because everybody's excited about Jared Calhoun. So and then, seeing that now the, they're not The Youngstown State thing about. also kind of – surprises me because during that point well also you got to remember year you also got to remember Youngstown State kind of started off the year not great either Youngstown State didn't start getting getting hot until February when they went on that six game win streak and catapulted themselves out of the bottom of the barrel they're also so, 8 and 24 yeah. so <laughs> the year before so yeah. it wasn't like they were coming off of a big yeah, a, a a big deal. Like, I will be uh, just, given yeah. what Youngstown State has coming back next year. I will be very interested in seeing how they move, how what their attendance is moving forward. And I'm also want to uh, also because they got well. Also, too, I'm also interested in how they're going to count that West Virginia game at the Cavelli Center because that's going to be that. That's going to that's on their schedule as well. So I'm I'm actually very interested in how they're going to count that in their overall attendance figures. Where is the where is that game? That is at the Covelli Center. Um, it's in um, it's a larger arena in, in Youngstown. Um, okay. So that's that. Cause West they do, Virginia they do, is not far from that, right? It's like a couple hours. Couple hours, yeah. But yeah. from from Youngstown to Morgantown, it's probably maybe three hours. Maybe an hour and a half, even. I don't remember. If you drive real really? fast, if you drive if you drive real fast on the Turnpike and I seventy nine. You can get from Youngstown to Morgantown in, yeah, I want to say probably about eh, an hour and a half, couple hours maybe. 
But yeah, be be very hours, eight, be very careful because be very careful right because Pennsylvania State Police are the uh, are the absolute worst. <laughs> That's what I hear. Yes. Um, so with that said, <laughs> we got they, we got, we got one more you. thing to talk about before we we call it quits though. Oh, one more thing. You got one more thing. Uh, just to go over, John Parker wrote about oh, it. Oh shit! Yes, you're absolutely right. So John yeah. Parker wrote about it. The Milwaukee, yes, is and getting the addition to the Kalachi Center. I did forget about that. Yes, I don't know why I forgot about that. And yes, absolutely. Yes, John Parker wrote a uh, wrote a story for us on this in on Horizon uh, HorizonRoundtable.com. So be sure to read that his thoughts on it. But I definitely wanted to get your thoughts on it because we've talked about this very thing. Years ago, in like in the first sure. year of the Horizon Roundtable, we were talking about how Scott Walker screwed you guys over, and this apparently is the is the progress, I guess, for that. So okay, so so here's the here's the deal. So back in oh nine ten, I'll try to get through this quickly. Yes, back in two thousand nine, two thousand ten, mm-hmm. it was two thousand nine. George Coons was AD. We put together. Uh, the 0910 school year, we put together a uh, drive to get the students to approve a seg- a separate segregated fee, specifically to build a basketball arena. Ah. Um, the original idea that that George and a few of us had kicked around, um, I inexplicably I was involved in conversations. It's surprising that they let me in on that, but. The idea was to build a, a, a basketball arena on campus, six to eight thousand. Um, it was it was do- done largely without um, consulting the basketball staff. Of course, a little surprising, but par for the tra- course when it comes to George Coons. Um, jo- Rob did help out as far as uh, you know. Rob and the staff and the team did help out in trying to get out the vote and get people to approve it, which we did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, a year, you know, George was event, you know, let go pretty quickly thereafter. Um, the seg fee was collected twenty five bucks a semester per student for Jesus. every student that was collecting was a undergrad. So you were talking about like twenty four thousand students times twenty five bucks a semester, fifty bucks a year. It was a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, in oh, a yeah. few years, uh, they had had uh, they had contracted out as a design firm so there was like it was like a hundred grand of that got spent sure. putting together design for an arena that didn't happen well that was actually that was actually that wasn't what they paid for um they paid for something of a master plan but that money ended up getting changed when amanda was ad early on changed it from an, a basketball arena fee to a athletics facilities fee oh, Jesus. which uh, well, it, it partially it was it allowed for them to make it so that they could build the basketball practice facility, uh-huh. <laughs> and and I can't remember if that was I think it was basketball. I think it was just for a basketball facilities piece, so we could do I a practice that's, facility when we. If I remember because, our conversation, yeah, I think it was the basketball yeah, facility. I'm 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 uh, apologize if I'm getting any of the salient details wrong, but. Uh, it had switched to a basketball facility fee, so we could do the practice facility, and then later Amanda made an athletics facilities fee, so she could dip into it for like uh, improvements to like the baseball stadium, because unlike the soccer team that would raise all of the money to make the improvements, like putting lights on the field or putting field mm-hmm. turf on the field, 
unlike doing like the soccer team where they raise all the money themselves, uh, the baseball team just, you know, got the university to switch around the fee so that they could do it. I've never been a huge fan of the the way the baseball team just kind of they they do this this bowling fundraiser every December. Uh-huh. And besides besides that, they they lean pretty heavily on the university itself sure. rather than other non revenue sports that go out of their way to raise their own money. Uh-huh. Specifically, specifically the soccer programs historically, uh-huh. um, but the basketball practice facility. I had written for Panther U. And it became, after we created the Black and Gold Club, the Booster Club, it became the Black and Gold Club's drive for us to use the basketball practice facility as the way to elevate the level of the program. There are are moments in a program's history where you are able to make your program markedly better. Mm -hmm. You do it by, we see Northern Kentucky makes the move to Division I. They capitalize on it. Mm-hmm. They know that it's coming. They build what is now the BB and T Center, the formerly the Bank of Kentucky Center, was built before the move to Division One, mm-hmm. in anticipation of the move to Division One. Sure. Um, you know, you you get that move. Um, Butler, after the Final Fours, apart from the conference moves, Butler entirely renovated the side of Hinkle, uh, the side building attached to Hinkle to be the new athletics offices and everything. They eventually renovated the football space and Hinkle, the arena space itself, got some upgrades too. Sure. Um, as well as they took a space on the side of the Hinkle arena and turned it into basically the, this like fundraising room that is excellent for them. To, long um, story set, short, Milwaukee up. didn't do any of this stuff. Well, lo- long story short is you, you have opportunities. Yeah. Um, Wright State has been successful because they built the, the they have the Nutter Center, but they've also building that Setzer Pavilion have made things better. Milwaukee sure. had an opportunity here, yeah. And this was my my argument is that Milwaukee being the biggest the at the time the biggest school in the conference, mm-hmm. Milwaukee being a uh, be, being a you know kind of a basketball crazy city, yeah. Being a uh, being a university that is largely untapped. Uh-huh. As far as its athletics potential, yeah. If we were to we 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 have an arena in the in what was the cell and is now the Panther Arena that is strong for if we were in the Atlantic Ten or the Missouri Valley Conference, two better conferences than Milwaukee than the Horizon League. Yeah. If we were in those conferences, the Panther Arena would have been and would be acceptable, if not a little bit above average, pretty good for the arena. Sure. In the Horizon League, it's too big, but that's you're neither here nor there. So the, the the arena is fine. Yeah. The practice situation was the worst in Division One and yes. remains the worst in Division One. Uh-huh. Um, and I know this because I looked at all 350 schools. Yeah. The closest is Fordham. Which practices and plays in the Rose, the Rose Hill gym, that in, in downtown New York they really don't have much space. It's shared between all the athletics programs. Uh, by the way, I'd like to point since you brought up Fordham, I'd like to point out that uh, Fordham is allegedly Dennis Felton's landing spot as an assistant. That's just fine. Want to, want to throw that in there? You know, but go on, go on, go, go, go good, good for him. He deserves to have a career. Um, but you know, so Milwaukee. So the so the practice situation was bad. Yeah, I, I also had a pie in the sky thing about taking the alumni house, which is a which is a very expensive old uh, like estate 
yeah. up against Lake Michigan. I had an idea to turn that into like an, a, a 49% athletics, 51% general student dorm that you could use for the men's basketball team. Mm-hmm. Where it's like a, you, it's like a castle. It's amazing. It's beautiful. They're renovating it for $5 million, $8 million. They could have turned it into a, a, just like it would have been the best residence in college basketball. Oh, that, that, sure. That's not what I'm talking about right here. No. My, my idea was you take the practice facility. If you can, the, the segregated fee was going to raise in its lifetime about $25 million. Okay. At the time, the best practice facility that was out there was uh, Kentucky's $33 million yeah. practice facility. Mm-hmm. Duke had built for 25 or 30. Indiana was building for 30. Utah hadn't built their $40 million facility at the time yet. Uh-huh. So my idea was this. If you are to elevate Milwaukee, if your your end goal is to be a, uh, a major program, either the big fish in a small pond like Butler was in the Horizon League, uh-huh. or an Atla- a strong Atlantic 10 or NBC program, or maybe somehow, some way, because uh, we didn't, conference realignment was in, it's, you know, in the middle of it. So we didn't know if there was going to be a, you know, non-basketball power conference that might not include Marquette because we'd never get into Marquette's conference. But the idea is that you could elevate Milwaukee to being a top 50, maybe top 25 national program every year by going over the top in building the best practice facility that money can buy. Because if we we get we had 25 million in hand we figured we could maybe if we could raise 10 15 million we could put together the best practice facility in the country mm-hmm. nba college usa basketball bar none if we could do that then that we could elevate milwaukee to being near that level and you could and what i would pitch to fans that didn't like rob jeter i called it jeter proofing the program you would you would make it so that even an average coach could make it to the NCAA tournament. So the idea was you, you spend 30, 35, the number we used was 35 million. And I actually had Joe Rice, because we have an architecture school. Joe Rice is a fan, an alum, he used to be in the pep band. Uh, he's an architect. I had him do a design for Panther U and the Black and Gold Club that I wrote about and published. Um, and it looks amazing. It was great. It had all this different extra stuff in it. He put in a whole like banquet space that the university could use, not just for raising money, but for uh, you know any number of different like events. Um, he had a lot of like multi-use, but it was mainly for men's and women's basketball to have their own designated space for training, for for practice, for weightlifting, for tra- athletic training. It had a it had a uh, connector connecting bridge on the second uh, uh, bridge over the street over the road in between the the building and the Klotchy Center Pavilion that would go straight to the athletic trading offices. Um, it was it was really well put together, and it would have it would have at the bare it would have been three times as good, four times as good as the best practice facility in the Horizon League at the time. So the idea is that you elevate the program. Um, they shifted that segregated fee after the it was made into athletics f- uh, facilities fee. It ended up being dropped from $25 to $16 a semester because Amanda can't sell anything. She couldn't sell she couldn't sell water to a guy in the Sahara. 
who's who has no moisture in his mouth anymore. Oh, but Jesus! That, the, fee, the fee ended up losing money on it, and eventually, I, I think it might have ended up getting completely dropped. Um, the fact of the matter is, they 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 got this approval finally. Mm-hmm. No state money is going to be used. This is all money that is coming from is coming from the seg fee money that was already collected. It's just been and, sitting there, I assume. And and they're saying that it's coming from donations. Um, you could you could put you could put fifty dollars into it from donations and say, hey, this money is the money paying yeah. is coming from student sec fees and donations. So I, I don't have the we don't have the figures in front of us, obviously, because they don't they haven't put that out there. No. Um, but the idea is that you expanded so men's and women's basketball have their own practice space which they've had two hours a day at most for the last forever in a space where they've been kicked. I've, I've been at Ben's basketball practices where they've had student student workers come in and tell them they have to get out so that the dodgeball intramurals can start. Like this is, this is the kind of hokey, you know, just, just basic shit that happens. Obviously at Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And it's the biggest singular problem and building this facility helps it. Now, they're going to spend something like seven or eight million building this place. Yeah. Setzer Pavilion at Wright State was built 10 years ago for about nine million dollars. Today's money, that's like 14 or 15 million dollars. Uh-huh. So Milwaukee's practice facility is going to be what, two thirds of what Wright State's is? Something like that. The practice facility, it's nice, it helps. Yeah, it's definitely great for inter- and they, they, the way they pitched it to the state was the way we said do it, which is you free up space not just for intercollegiate athletics, but you're adding space for you know general student use as well because yes. now that now the Kalachi opens up for several hours a day that it wouldn't otherwise be open. Exactly. So we pitched that, or the, you know they they pitched that they finally got it approved. We Scott Walker's not governor anymore; he's not running for president anymore. So Tony Ever, Tony Evers, the new governor, uh, who's a Democrat, and the Republicans in the state legislature, uh, they, the the Republicans own both houses of the state legislature. Um, yeah, they agreed that it, all right, it's time. Let's let them spend the money. Sure. So they've got the approval to do it. They're going to get a firm to put together the design. They're going to or they're going to select the design and go with it. They're going to build it. It should be open by 2023 okay so it's gonna be quite a while i don't know if pet baldwin's still gonna be here at that point um if he doesn't get markedly better i think even amanda would probably pull the plug by that point but the fact of the matter is is that this is going to be a uh this is going to be a horizon league level practice facility so my problem my problem from it comes that we're losing. We're missing out on a huge opportunity to vault the basketball program and with it the university to new heights that they haven't been to before. Sure, I mean that's what, what, that's, I mean, the, that's the problem. So, so basically, you're spending. A, so, from what it sounds like, you're you know, as I under, from what it sounds like, your 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 concern is they're just basically spending this money to keep the status quo. This is, well, I, and, I wouldn't call it totally keeping the status I mean, quo because they are opening up space. Yeah. I mean, Steve, Steve Mohar is the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Mohar runs the facilities. Sure. For the for for the he runs the recreation department basically for the school. Uh-huh. So uh, I'm sure he's like. 
Oh, I'm sure over, he's over the moon. Over the, over the moon. Oh, absolutely. And it does help. Mm-hmm. And basketball, having it so that dodgeball workers don't come in and t- kick you out of your practice will help. Yeah. But we had an opportunity. To I mean, go next level and you just didn't. $15 million is an MVC level facility. Drake yeah. just built one for $12 million. Uh-huh. We've got fifteen, you know, double the cost, which, yeah, double the cost. Well, continue collecting the segregated fee, jackasses. And number number two, if you're raising money, raise some money and actually do it. You know, so so if we if we had done even fifteen million, you could have built a practice facility that would be at or near the class of the conference, solve the biggest problem for the basketball program that you know, the biggest annual problem for the basketball program and gave people real, you know, gave people real excitement and hope for the future of the basketball program. Instead, they're going to take what money they've already got. Yeah. And put it into building a nice place. There there's, there's no, there's no weightlifting. They're not putting the coaches offices uh-huh. over there. Uh, from, from what I gather, the, um, you know, they're, they're, they're saying that they're not going to raise student segregated fees, Yeah, which I get it that you don't want to, you don't want students to see, but you also scale it back from 25 to $16 to so fuck yourselves to begin with, uh, because you could have just left it at $25. True. What, what students couldn't have one less Qdoba burrito a year. Like just, just, just kiss my ass. I, I can't believe that she couldn't sell saving $9 a student a semester in that segregated athletics fee. It just, it's an absolute joke. It's, it's the easiest sale job ever. Oh, students have lose out on $18 a year. That's two lunches out at the Taco Bell in the union. It ain't that big. That's of a am- that is amazing. And that is kind of amazing to me that she couldn't sell that because John Perry, who d- couldn't sell anything and to save his life, was able to sell student. Uh, well, well, actually, no, he kind of caused people. Uh, actually, it wasn't his sales job. It was basically he screwed up in the first place and actually prompted a a kind of a revolt against him to raise student fees to keep wrestling and at keep wrestling and and add lacrosse and add lacrosse Ooh. and and more to the point and actually add women's track and field too because they added nice. that in there as well um so yeah it's, it, it, so come on i mean so so she could have even played the i i need you to revolt against me card and she didn't do that so that's crazy to me but you know that but you know that 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 is the situation that is Milwaukee at, at this point, man. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and I mean, I, I I mean, and then and to have a situation where, uh, and it seems like there it's not just that situation, but a lot of other different moving parts that kind of contributed to this delay, prolonged delay, even because this has been. Because this money has been collected, you know, this money has been collected for since what? 20, you said 2011, was it? 2010-11 school year. Yeah, so that's, it's, <coughs> you know, there it's that money that has been just, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it, it, it's, it's money that's already collected. It was yeah. supposed to be collected for 25 school years. Yeah. 
And right. I, I get the idea that, oh, it sucks that the kids that are graduating high school in 2023 got to pay for this practice facility. But, uh, you know, but hey, guys, there are a lot of things that students don't like paying for that they pay for to go to the university. Yeah. There's a lot of things that do it. And you can you can talk about how students, college athletics shouldn't exist. And honestly, I agree. College athletics shouldn't be a thing. But this is America. This is how this is how our system works. This is the game we play. Mm-hmm. It allows a couple hundred thousand people to get a college education where they might not otherwise be able to get it. It allows people to get prepared for life afterwards. There's a lot of good things that college athletics does. In a perfect world, college athletics wouldn't exist. All these things would be separate from the universities, and the universities wouldn't have to be worried about funding it. But the fact of the matter is, this is America, college athletics, specifically the revenue sports, football, men's basketball, ice hockey somewhere, women's basketball if you're in a place like UConn or Tennessee or Notre Dame, you know, baseball if you're in a place like Arizona. The, the revenue sports are what are they're marketing for the university. Yeah. So you look at this as, okay, this is a building that you're going to build for the next 50 years that is going to be marketing for the university. Yes. It makes the basketball program better. So <clears throat> if this is a 50-year building, you don't look at it as $7 million or $8 million that you're spending mm-hmm. of these seven fees, of the years of the segregated fees. Look at it as 7 or $8 million that you're spending over 50 years. It ain't a big chunk of money. No. I mean, I mean, but and at the same time too, if you have a if you have a successful if you have a successful revenue program like a men's basketball, that also helps the exposure to the university. It, incl- it you know, say for example, if you have a if you have a school that goes to the NCAA tournament, they're on TV, they're on national television. You see a kid a kid sees that on sees that team on national television and says they then they start considering going to that school where they might not have considered that before, and applications go you know applications to the university goes up things like that. I mean it's all it's all there. It's all you know. It, you I was know, I it, was the, it, yeah. It, it, it's it, it's all basic. I mean it, it, it's all you know. Th- these are things. These are things that have have been proven time and time again. I mean so and, and not only proven, but proven at Horizon League schools. Yes, absolutely. I was class of two thousand five. We had made our college decisions, right? Our, our, our senior year was when the university went to the Sweet 16. Yep. Fall of 2005, we had 26,000 students. Mm-hmm. By three years later, we had 32,000 students. Mm-hmm. Butler, Final Four. They go to the Final Four, their applications raise like 800%. Yeah. You drive student, you, you drive admissions, you drive applications, you drive student retention, you drive student engagement. All of these things that they talk about and spend money doing other stuff on in student life, mm-hmm. these are things that are boosted by a successful national basketball program. Yes, there's a reason that it, it, it they, is not. I mean, we're not we're not talking that, about we're, we're not yeah. talking out of our ass on this either. We no, you know, there have been there have been time and time again. Yes, there are time there there are you know time and time again. We've been show, you know, we've been there. Have there's empirical proof of this entire thing. Loyola, making Loyola Chicago making the Final Four. You know, their applications are just boosted up astronomically. Just came a few years after they're building a 
you know the the practice facility, the renovating Unders- the Gentile Arena. Yes, and so that that is those Moving are conferences. But I mean, but back to your original point, obviously, that uh, having that kind of foresight does not exactly seem like Milwaukee's strong suit at the moment. I think Milwaukee. I think that uh, I, I I would like to think that Amanda Braun. As the AD, if she's if she's really a good fundraiser, this is going to be a fifteen million dollar building, and then I'll shut up, but and then I'll probably leave any, her alone. But let me ask you this: do you, do you have any do you have any proof of that even? I mean, I mean, are you, is she going to go back to the same angry donors who didn't like Rob Jeter in the first place? Or maybe she'll money? go back to Fred Sitzberger, who never went to a basketball game in his life, but somehow decided to give a million dollars to the university for men's basketball out of the blue. And as far as I know, maybe showed up for a round of applause at one game and never came back since. That was a dollar amount that was going somewhere else. And they convinced him, well, we'll just give it to Ben's basketball because we got some PR problems here. I don't think she's raised shit for the men's basketball program. I think she's raised uh, some money in tiny amounts for her excellence fund, for her fire Rob Jeter fund. I think she raised money for, you know, certain things to for quality of life stuff for non-revenue sports, which are the class of the conference. And the fact, the fact of the matter is we're just this men's basketball program, which is the only program, the program that drives everything else. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're churning our wheels and she's, and, and if you were, I'm, I'm, I'm not on her page cause I don't want to look at her face. <laughs> if you look, at her, if you look at her resume. Uh-huh. I, I 100% believe she will point out that, Ooh, there've been $6 million of improvements to the Panther arena that have happened during her watch, except that $6 million that Harris Turner spent, who was a donor who's no longer a donor because he hates her living guts. Fun. Um, that's secondhand. I haven't talked to Harris Turner directly about that. Um, okay, gotcha. Or, um, or Mike Zimmerman, who owns the Rock Ventures, building a baseball stadium mm-hmm. at the Rock on 76th and Rawson in, in the southwest suburbs. Builds this baseball stadium because he's going to bring in and he's going to start an independent league team. Yeah. And oh, by the way, well, hey, UWM needs a baseball field. I'm sure Amanda will point out that oh, we're building a new baseball stadium. I'm sure that's on her resume. She uh, is the more than... she is the queen of of piggybacking on better people's accomplishments. Well, okay, then that brings me, and we're going to wrap this up because we're way over. Um, yeah, but. This brings me to a final point. We've talked about, we've literally talked about Amanda Braun multiple times over the last. I, I bring her, my I bring question, her name up because she's the direct my, person. I would also my point Mark Money is a big. At what point in time? At what point in time does this administration come? Does this administration look at the body of work and finally say, "Stop this fucking madness"? At what point in time does this administration do that? Or they don't. will it never happen? This administration doesn't. Mark Money has to go first. Because really? I, 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 I honestly, I honestly, I subscribe to the idea that Amanda Braun knows about this 30%. Or you know, Mark Money approved this idea to take 30% of donations uh-huh. from the other programs, give it, to, give it to the Excellence Fund, which is the Fire Rob Jeter Fund. Mark Money approved it. That's, that is 
this this is this is speculation. I am not saying this has happened, but I subscribe to this idea that, oh. that he approved this plan. This is not a hundred percent fact. Be, this is this is no, Jimmy's no, no, no. opinion here. This is this is something that I've been told by okay. by others that I've never I never reported on. I mean, this is three years later I'm talking about this. Sure. I never talked about this in twenty sixteen. No. So to give people an idea, this isn't like I I didn't report on it because I didn't have necessary I didn't have the people on the record willing to say it and I and I also wanted to step away from it sure but I didn't I didn't I wanted to get away from it so sure. yes like it's you can call it an opinion whatever I, I it's call it hearsay whatever you want it, it makes sense that Mark Money could look at somebody who has achieved nothing and lost a lot in the biggest program in the in the in the, the biggest program in the university in athletics and somebody who has only achievements have been piggybacked on others and say, okay, well, she hasn't really done anything. And now we're paying her $230,000 or whatever it is a year to basically do nothing. So maybe we should move on. Uh-huh. But I don't, I don't subscribe to it. I subscribe to the idea that he's looking at it as well. I fire her. She's probably going to turn me in. Probably. Because, uh, maybe, if, because I guess. if she wants to, <laughs> just, she could. She knows where this, all the bodies this, are buried. You know what I mean? Like th- this is, I I've got something on you, so of course you're gonna give me. What in what world? What could possibly does, be so? What does, what could be so? I'm sorry, but what could be so insidious? What could be so massively insidious? I mean, seriously, I they mean, just give her a four year extension. I had donors that I haven't heard from in years texting me. Oh my god, blah 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 blah. Just told me this that Amanda's not getting renewed in June. That Amanda's gonna be done. They're just gonna let her go. And I'm like, oh crap, shit! I'm excited for that, but I'm also no, I'm also like you, Bob. I'm beaten down by years of being disappointed. Yeah. So I was like, uh, you take it to somebody or put somebody on the record. Yeah. And of course, none of them would would say like, oh yeah, this oh, is what's going to happen. And none of the, you know, and and of course, what happens is that, you know, she gets her extension. I don't hear from, from I don't hear from the donors. No, of course not. Or I, or I hear, so, or I hear so what the, the fuck happened. So from what I, it I sounds like, so honestly, from what it sounds like, her extension we can kind of compare to the three-year extension from John Perry, where we're all scratching our head wondering how on earth did this happen. Although yes. I could say, for in 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 the case of John Perry, it's mostly because you know the president at the time, Ronald Berkman, basically he his his. He, he's be honest. He's his, his whole grasp of athletics is minimal at best. Whereas I don't know what the hell Mark Money's doing. <laughs> Let's be honest. I don't. I Nobody don't think knows. Mark. Dude, I don't think Mark Money knows what Mark Money's doing. So that's that's. I Mark. think Mark. I think Mark Money wants athletics to be as. I, I think he would just prefer that athletics stayed silent. Sure. Just, just, just exist. We just, just don't make any bad waves. I think that's what we're looking at from from his angle. And now yeah. that, and now, and with this announcement for the, and, and and probably in his mind, this this announcement of this building of this extension of the Klotchke Center, whatever the hell it's called, um, he will. I, it seems to me he would consider this to be good news. To be to to justify, kind of 
his decision-making process, I guess. I mean, that, that's what it sounds like to me, at least. Sure. So, all right. So, wow. Okay, so... That should that's definitely gonna wrap it up. Um if you stay if you if you stayed this long to listen, thanks. <laughs> um we will we'll definitely uh so we will definitely we're definitely taking next week off because it's Labor Day weekend. I'm sure it's hell ain't of course. podcast. Um but <laughs> <laughs> but as always, um you can catch episodes of the Horizon Roundtable uh Basically, wherever you can find podcasts, but definitely at HorizonRoundtable.com. Like I said, we got content coming up all over the place. We're going to have some more. Obviously, we're looking forward to it. Um, you can find us wherever you find podcasts. You're, you know, get on your Google and the Amazon devices. And as always, thank you for listening.